0: This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 161 Fueling Success Three Key Steps to Workplace Motivation and Resilience with guest Lindsay Lyman. Welcome to Building Resilience, a podcast where theory, practical strategies, and inspiring stories show you how to unlock your best life. I'm your host, Leah Davidson. As a certified life coach, speech language pathologist, and nervous system resilience expert, it is my mission to teach you how to be more resilient to life's adversities. I will show you how to manage your mind, befriend your nervous system, process your emotions, and even eliminate stress it's time to do more than just survive it's time to thrive let's get started hello everyone welcome to the building resilience podcast i have a treat for you today over the past year we've been talking a lot about resilience and specifically nervous system resilience We've talked in terms of helping professionals and coaches and therapists and parents and even entrepreneurs. We've talked about growing your business, but I wanted to talk about resilience and nervous system resilience more from a corporate perspective. As I know that many of my listeners are in the corporate world, and especially in today's working climate, there's a lot going on. It's a bit of a crazy environment. There's layoffs and hiring freezes and pay freezes and excessive meetings, time pressures, demands, people are overworked. So I decided to bring on my friend and fellow coach, Lindsay Lyman, to talk to us about this. She has also taken my advanced training in nervous system resilience, so she integrates her work the mindset component, as well as the nervous system component, which I personally think in this world, that is the only way to go. So let me tell you a little bit about Lindsay Lyman. She calls herself the insecure, overachiever turned confident leader. You are just going to love her. So she shares that in her 20-year corporate career, she has had 12 managers, contributed to over 30 COEs, Rotated six times and cried in front of her manager four times that she can remember. She loves a good vacation, massage, and telling people no, but she quickly learned she needed a break to survive work because she wasn't going to last. She's been a certified life coach and a former 12 year Amazonian. She spent several thousands of hours teaching others how to take care of themselves every day without needing to work harder or choosing between their career goals and their sanity. Work isn't supposed to be so exhausting. There is an easier way, and she can teach you how. I am excited for her to share with us everything that she knows about motivation and resilience and how to help you in this corporate world. Let's get started. Welcome Lindsay to Building Resilience podcast. I am so happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Truth be told, I feel a little starstruck because (laughs) I love the work you do
1: and I've been through so many of your programs and it's really made such a difference. So I feel excited. So my name is Lindsay. I worked in corporate for about 20 years half of that I did marketing and advertising and the last half I was at Amazon. I was there for almost 12 years, a handful of those years within AWS. And corporate Amazon, it's a crazy environment, so how I'll say it. I learned so much and have some amazing people in my life that I met there that I'm still very close with. But the average employee, the latest data that's been published, they last a little under 2 years. So it's a pretty tough, direct environment, and I was promoted multiple times. I created my own job. I had my position eliminated. I went through some other really hard things, and I just really struggled to find tools that actually helped. I went to HR a handful of times with different issues I was struggling with and quickly realized they were there to help protect the company. And so I went out and found some other tools that actually made all the difference. And that's where I've really gone in and continue to work on training and educating and finding ways to help people, particularly in the workforce. A lot of my clients were these insecure overachievers, right? We're (laughs) high performers. We know how to get things done. We love to work hard. We love to hit the goal. We're oftentimes naturally leaders. We're a little outspoken, but... We burn out and it's not sustainable and we really struggle. So that's really where I'm trying to help people and where the work you do has really shifted how I'm helping my clients and even helping myself in my day to day work.
0: Well, and I'll just add that before I even knew you, and we have made this connection, but years ago, Rob, who is my husband, most of the listeners know that because I talk about it enough, he works for AWS and he has been there for five years now. So he made it over the two year hump. But several years ago, he was looking for a coach. And so I went searching, looking for a coach for corporate who could sort of get the feel because Amazon is a very unique company. Rob has always been in consulting and tech. So they're usually pretty hardcore companies. And I was searching for a coach for him and I found Lindsay. And so you actually coached Rob, but we only had made the connection recently that Lindsay had been his coach. And I think it was really helpful. Often the conversations I've had with Rob, especially as, you know, we talk about the nervous system. He is often saying this information, these tools that we teach, whether it be nervous system or mindset, are so needed in the corporate world, so needed, especially the environments that we're going through right now in this work environment, post COVID, so many things change. And that's why I wanted to bring you on because I know that the world, so many people are struggling in the corporate environment or struggling with different work things. And I wanted to bring you on so you can help us understand what are some of the issues, what are some of the problems and what are some of the solutions that people who are in the corporate world can look for? I'm excited because I could nerd out and talk about this stuff
1: for hours. But yeah, it's definitely a different work environment. And I don't think we're through the shift and change yet. I think we're in the really hard part where we know things need to change and we don't know what to do and how to do it. Right. It's very apparent that it's towards the beginning of performance review season for a lot of companies. And we know there's not going to be big raises. That's right. right? We know layoffs are still happening all over the place. They're just a lot more quiet and they're not in the news quite as much. And I think there's been this kind of trust and transparency lost. And it's a lot of, we're not sure what to do. I feel for people that are leaders and managers because the tools available to them to help their employees mm-hmm. have shifted and changed as well. Mm-hmm. The things we used to be able to offer employees, isn't there. And it's changed. I feel like some of these companies have grown and the work environment has changed so much, but the tools and systems and processes of how we work hasn't changed at the same rate. And it's really causing a lot of burnout and a lot of lack of motivation. People that used to feel very confident and secure in their jobs, particularly I work with a lot of tech employees. They don't feel confident and secure anymore. And they're not sure. And at the same time, companies, I think, are a little hesitant to have very clear and direct strategies and guidelines of this is what we're going for. And these are our tools and resources to get there. And they're making it up as well. And so there's just so much uncertainty. And then you add on the like, we need to be politically correct and say Mm -hmm. the right thing to not get the company in trouble. And it's not appropriate to respond in a work setting the way we might respond in our personal relationships, you throw that on top of the mix
0: and we're all baking it, but we're not making it. That's it. <laughs> it's hard so out there. True. It is. And I think, like you said, there's not the motivation and the incentives. There's hiring freezes. There's pay freezes where people used to get stock. They're getting so much less stock. They're cutting back on programs to do with wellness. You know, I've noticed this trend with paid time off that you can take unlimited paid time off, but that's Mm -hmm. not really what's happening because people are always looking, okay, what is the amount of time off that I can take that is appropriate? It's almost better that we used to have the have to take the six weeks or three weeks instead of unlimited, because people are going to take less. So there's all these sort of changes that aren't necessarily from my view. I'm not in the corporate, but I just see it through the lens of what I see with people around me, not necessarily in favor of the employee. And I do recognize the employers are struggling too, because they're juggling with, you know, the economy, they're juggling with lots of different demands, but it is a challenging place. So I want you to share with us. What do you do
1: about it all? Totally. And I think that's a great point you make. Like, I'm not here to say employers are bad. I do genuinely think they're trying to figure it out. It's hard. And some of these companies are huge and massive. So making change is challenging. I get it. And as morale is at an all-time low, motivation has also really been low, What I found just in conversations with a lot of my employees, there's these three key things that can really help us move forward. And I'm a big proponent of the very first thing you got to do is you got to have the what I call the like, yeah, you don't look good in that outfit conversation, right? We got to get real. We got to tell the truth.
0: What are you trying to say to me, Lindsay? (laughs)
1: You look fabulous. But you know how you have those friends yeah. that you're like, how does this look? And you have the one that's like, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. Yes. And then you have the other friend that's like, yeah, it's maybe not your yeah. best. Like, have you thought about this? Right.
0: I have one we of gotta... those children too who's like, are you going out in that? <laughs> <laughs> right. There's
1: some tack we can work that's on. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to start having those conversations. Right. So step number one is you got to be willing to tell the truth to yourself to your team, to those people around you. And I don't think we need to do this in the doom and gloom standpoint, but there's this like toxic, positive leadership thing Mm -hmm. that's out there where leaders come into a situation and it's really hard for them to be okay when the team is not okay. So they try to make everyone feel better. Right. And right. they try to point out, you do get unlimited vacation and we get donuts
0: on Friday and these that's other right. things. And you're like, and here's a yeah, $20 but... gift card to celebrate, you know, some success.
1: <laughs> yes. And I'm like, that's great, but that's not actually solving the problem. The problem is I feel burned out. I feel terrible. I feel anxious. I feel scared. I feel worried. I feel insecure. Like that's the problem, right? Mm -hmm. Putting time off or a gift card on top of that doesn't actually stop that. Right. So step number one is you have to tell the truth. And then this is where a lot of what you talk about on this podcast is so important. You've got to learn how do you be okay when you are not okay. How do you slow down? How do you breathe? How do you have daily practices that help you feel emotionally stable and safe and secure? Mm -hmm. And doing that can make or break things. Last team I was on when I was at Amazon, I was leading this group. We were an internal communications team. So when the company wanted to change something, we were the ones that they came to and we had to communicate it in multiple languages through multiple channels. And there's lots that goes into all of that. So- there was an incident that happened, and we had called it our traditional process, and things went out, and it was bad. I legally can't talk about a lot of the details, <laughs> truth be told. But let's just say it was bad enough that iTeam has been published in like 300 different news articles, and the stock price was impacted. Now everybody's
0: going to be looking and seeing what this was. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So it was a pretty big deal, it was a pretty big mistake. And Amazon has this process called a COE, a correction of error, where they're trying to identify why did this problem happen? And the purpose of it is to like remove all the drama and just look at from a data standpoint, what happened and where was the breakdown and how do we fix it? So it's a pretty common practice. I had been there for 11 years. I mean, I have so many COEs under my belt. I could whip those things up (laughs) overnight, right? So we have this COE. And I'm like, yeah, you know, to be expected. So we start working on it. And then I find out that Andy Jassy, who at the time was the head of AWS, but is now taken over Jeff Bezos as the president of the company. He wanted us to present the COE to him. Like it was that, it was that good. Our mistake. (laughs) And I was like, go big or go home. (laughs) Yeah. Like even just thinking about it right now, I can feel like my palms get a little sweaty and my stomach turns a little bit. I, Knew going into this, logically, I'm not going to get fired. We have the data. We know what happened. We know what the solutions are. It was a mistake. And if they needed to fire me, they needed to fire me. Like I was the leader. The buck stop with me. I get that. But emotionally, I was like a wreck and it was a rough couple of weeks. So that's why I really practice a lot of this, like breathing, sleeping, taking yeah. care of myself just over and over and over and over again. And what was really fascinating is before you go and present this COE is you get put in like this virtual waiting room. We were all online and there was probably like five or six executives, like four people above me, right? And I'm just the little peon in the background that's there to like not say anything and answer any specific questions that might come up. And it was fascinating to just sit there and watch these people go back and forth and watch their behavior. And it was very apparent they were not okay. And they were all very nervous and anxious, but no one in the room was willing to say, Hey, this is going to be hard. Yeah. What we did was a mistake. There was nothing malicious. We've learned a lot from it. Let's go and have a conversation about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously the conversation went great we spent five or 10 awkward minutes silently reading Jassy read it and said, okay, you need this. You need this. What else? Have we thought about this? Let's not do it again. And away we went. Like that was the end of it. Right. Right. So it's just interesting to me to see, like until we're able to admit we're not okay. We just hold that in and it just builds and builds and builds. So long story short, if we're trying to find A way to be motivated and excited and driven about work again. Step number one is we just need to start telling ourselves the truth.
0: Right, right. right. And I like your story too. I mean, you're telling it from the perspective of being an employee and you were sitting in that virtual room And obviously I can't pretend to be Andy Jassy, (laughs) but if you are a leader and if you are a manager, I also think it speaks to the importance of your own ability to be regulated, Mm -hmm. your own ability to set aside, you know, the story and the facts to learn how to breathe yourself And because you offer, we've talked about this in the podcast, this idea of co-regulation, our nervous systems feed off of each other. And as much as we want our employees to be regulated and calm and be functioning with their CEO in charge, as a leader, you can set the tone. You can set the stage that if you are regulated, if you are letting people know it's okay to not be okay you're safe. Obviously, you're not going to be using these words. Andy Jassy is not going to be saying to you, you're safe, Lindsay, don't worry about it. But he can be in his tone, his mannerisms, and in just even like the body language and the eye contact. And I think that that's important for both sides of the table to be recognizing your nervous systems are always communicating. If you can be regulated, not only will it help you, it will help the person sitting on the other side of the table from you.
1: Yes. And that's so true because we walk into these meetings anxious and it's like the tension is so intense because we're like, what is their initial response going to be? They read a document and we have no idea what they're thinking and they pop up and he was very just calm and wasn't angry and had a very normal tone. And so you could feel in the room, people were like, okay, right. We don't have to go to war. I don't need to defend myself. Right. We're kind of like, we're all in on the same team. We all want the same
0: thing. Right. right? But I bet you tons of people have had the experience years ago. I was in corporate. I worked in a bank prior to my speech pathology years, and we've all had those managers who just lose it on you yeah. or who berate you or who you know embarrass you in front of the team calling out all the errors and all those things and yes, we on the podcast, and I'm sure you've talked about, we manage our mind about what we make other things that people say mean and how we don't have to take things personally. At the same time, like we do have a responsibility to learn how to regulate ourselves. We just period have a responsibility to learn how to regulate ourselves in our personal lives and our professional life, because we've all been on that other side where we walk away feeling like, oh my gosh, I just was punished, chastised. Totally. Right. And I've been
1: in those meetings too. Like I've seen managers pound. the table and scream and yell and like have the most ridiculous adult temper tantrums yeah there's nothing better than being able to be that calm confident leader in the room where you can almost just step back and watch this leader Mm -hmm. lose their their marbles (laughs) for a minute and that's where you from a calm place get to decide do i want to work for these types of people like what's going on here Is there something else? And that's how you cannot take it personal and not get wrapped into the drama of it. And I'm just like, wow, okay, good to know. Yeah. (laughs) And you can keep being the kind of person you want to be. So step one, you got to tell the truth and you've got to start practicing those ways to regulate yourself. We're not here to push the hard part away. We're going all in on the hard and we got to feel it and we got to allow ourselves to go through it and keep regulating our nervous system over and over and over hundreds of times a day. So then the second part, as we're trying to feel more motivated and driven, this is the part I love and I get the most excited about. Okay. So we've admitted this outfit doesn't look the greatest on me. This is not (laughs) where I want to be. This is not the job I signed up for. This is not what I want to do where I see myself long-term. Now what? Now you get to go after what you want. And what happens is I think so many of us are trying to manage our job or manage our career and we need to go and lead it, right? A manager comes in and there's a set playbook, there's processes and procedures, and you help move things along and push the buttons and make it a little better and shove all the people through. A leader, there is no playbook. You got to make it up and you got to help people come along and you're going to screw it up and you're going to learn through it and then you're going to make it up again It's the same thing here with what do you want? You get to make it up and you want to get really clear on
0: what you want. Most people, when I talk to them about this, they're like, well, I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to say, well, isn't the standard response. If you ask somebody, what do you want? I mean, it seems like a logical question, but a lot of times the answer is I don't actually know. I've been doing yeah. so long what has been expected, or I've just been going through the, the routine of things. I've never stopped. I don't have time to stop and ask what I want.
1: Yes. Yes, totally. Right. So you got to keep regulating yourself, but yeah. that's where I just, I'm like, well, let's just play with it. You could decide if you could choose, if you could do something in half the time, if you could stop doing, sometimes we even start with, okay, well, what is it that you don't want? Because usually Mm, we can tell that really easily. I don't want to work with this person. I don't want to have to do these types of projects. I don't want to keep having this meeting, right? I like to think of, okay, I call this the Tuesday factor. So we think about what we want and we're like, I want to have this amazing accomplishment. I want to get promoted. I want to have this scope of work. I want to retire at this age. And I'm like, awesome. And so where your brain goes is to these big events, these big milestones, the big production hurrah. And I'm like, awesome. So fun. I want those things for you too. But then I'm like, tell me, what do you want on a Tuesday? Because Tuesday (laughs) comes every week and whether you have the title or the promotion or the scope or you're retired Tuesday still comes, what do you want on a Tuesday? You're going to get out of bed. What's going to be on your calendar? What are you going to be doing that day? What are you going to be worried about? What are you excited about? What type of environment are you waking up in? Who are the people you're engaging with, right? I just like to play with it, not from the big and exciting fantasy place. We can go there. That's fun. Yeah. But sometimes we just need to help our brain just be like, what's an ideal Tuesday for me?
0: And that Tuesday that will move me towards what I want, as yeah. opposed to just going through Groundhog Day, Tuesday, over and over, just having some deliberateness. Is that what you're saying? Also having some deliberateness on your regular Tuesday? Yes, right. Knowing what
1: is important. It usually comes down to something like wanting to have strong relationships, wanting to feel purpose and driven in how you're spending your time, but not wanting to feel stress and pressure on needing to get so much done. And so as we can identify, those are the core things you want, then we can take it a step deeper and say, okay, what's something we could try right now to do that? So I always like to think of how could I do this project in half the time? And my brain's like, you can't, (laughs) there's so much to do. There's so many other people. And I'm like, I know, but like, if I had to, like, if I had to only do it in half the time, what would I cut out? How could I not go to this status meeting? and not have it impact anything. What might that look like? There was a time where when I was at Amazon, they do this thing called OP1, operating planning process one. And we do it again in the second half of the year. It's basically our yearly planning cycle where we go and say, this is what we can deliver. These are the goals we're setting. And these are the tools and resources we need to do it at a, at a very simplified level. Well, OP1, like it's painful. <laughs> You ask anyone that works at Amazon, you're like, how's OP1 going? And you're going to get like a, oh, like it's so much work. It's so many people coming together. And usually what happens is every team writes their OP1 and then that goes up to the org and then that goes up to the VP and it goes up and up. And what you spent hours working on is like one sentence in a document on page five that may not even get read, right? (laughs) But people stress and freak out about this over and over and over again. So again, I had done this. This was like my, I think I started this on like my ninth or 10th time. I was like, I have been through this rodeo before. And here's what I noticed. We all freak out. We spend so much time from like our top executives and leaders working on this. And yet what we initially go with on our first draft of the document, Amazon's a document writing culture. We wrote a lot Mm -hmm. of documents. What we initially wrote on our first draft is almost verbatim where we end on literally the last OP1 I helped on. We were on draft version 397. Oh my gosh. Like no (laughs) lie. And that last draft never even went up the chain. No one even looked at it. So what I realized is this is a process that we put in place once upon a time that had a place, but isn't super effective. So again, I was like, what do I want? And I was like, I want to not... Struggle through OP1 season. So I was like, okay, how, what would that look like? And I did my due diligence. I want to have integrity in my work and be an honest person. And I did the first draft and I wrote it and I revised it a couple times and then I called it good. And then I would go to the meetings, but truth be told, I wasn't even listening. I was multitasking. I was multitasking. <laughs> and if something came up, I'd answer it. But I'm like, I'm not going to get wrapped into the drama of how big and crazy this is. And I just kept regulating myself and keeping myself calm. And we'd need another version. And I would submit that same draft over and over and over and over again. And they never, never rewrote it once it. and no one noticed and it worked. And it was
0: great. <laughs> I love it. Little tips. <laughs> yeah.
1: But so you just want to des- decide what is it that you want? Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's okay for this to be hard. Your brain's going to want to make, well, I don't know, but remember we're leading. We don't know. There's not a clear roadmap of like, well, when the world's been through a pandemic (laughs) and this is what it looks like changed. Here's what you do to get promoted. Here's what you do to figure out when you want to go to the next thing. You want to get clear on what you want and be very open to trying. How could I get there? I don't want a job where I am in back-to-back meetings all day. Okay. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. How could we try it? What's one little thing we could try today?
0: Mm-hmm. And there's so many different ways that you could get the same result. So not being locked into, well, this is the only way I can think of. Well, yes. just because that's the only way you can think of doesn't mean it's the only way.
1: Totally. Go make up a job for you. If you see a gap, go write your own job description, go write your own business case, go sell your company or another company on it. Mm-hmm. Right. The mm-hmm. worst thing that could happen is they say no and you stay where you're at.
0: Okay. Right. But then you feel empowered because you've also done something. You've done something that maybe you're passionate about or that you enjoy doing. When you go after what you want, there is a sense of empowerment there because nobody can take that away from you. You may not get it in your immediate environment. It may not mean, oh, I want this and Amazon's going to change for me. But it may be that I want this. What can I do? And you may have to leave, go to a different culture, start something else up. But there's something very empowering about knowing I'm doing what I want to do.
1: Yes. And that's partly, I think, where that motivation comes from because you know what it is you're working hard and struggling with for. Where right. when you don't have that intent and that purpose, you're just showing up to work every day. And I'm like, here's right. OP1 again. I'm like, why yeah. do we do this? I don't know. Cause it's the meeting on my calendar and pays my bills. Like that yeah. is not motivated. Yeah. No. Where I'm like, oh no, I'm doing this as an experiment to see does anyone notice that I didn't rewrite my my information. Right. Right.
0: right. Also, because sometimes I think that we feel we always have to be working for something or with something that we're super passionate about, which I think is great because that naturally helps us with the motivation. But I've talked with people too, that sometimes they're so passionate about something outside in their life and they start understanding, well, the way I can get what I want outside is by doing this job. Mm -hmm. And even though I may not love the job, or I may not feel like this is a job that is the job, it fulfills all my needs and my desires. What it does, it is allows me to have the life outside that I want to fulfill the passion. Maybe it is something that is extracurricular for you. Maybe it is a different kind of activity. But I, I say that to people sometimes because we often, especially for younger kids, We often tell them, go after what you're passionate about. And I totally agree. I think it's great Mm -hmm. to go after what you're passionate about. But at the same time, sometimes you are just going to be invested in doing a job because that allows you to go out and do what you're passionate about.
1: 100%. 100%. Know what you want, and it may not be from work. The number one thing people tell me when I ask them what they want, they're like, well, I want to do something that is meaningful and fulfilling and giving back. I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. What does that look like? And I'm like, there's a million ways you can do that. It doesn't have to be through your day job. Yeah. Maybe one day it is, but yes, like go all in, know what you want. Like, Mm -hmm. we don't know what we want. I always challenge my clients to like make a list of 50 things they want. And they can usually start out five or six and then they're like, 50 is hard. Yeah. But like, if you don't know what you want, why are we doing all of this? Yeah. I love it. Such a great point. It, you can have that want and that passion outside of work and work is the means for you to do that. And then as you go through that hard part of work, you just regulate yourself and you remind yourself, I like my reasons for doing this job. Exactly. I want to do this job because it's allowing me this opportunity over here. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes it so much easier. Yeah. Okay. So we got it. We got to first tell ourselves the truth. We got to learn how to let ourselves not be okay. Then we got to go after what we want. And then really the third step that I think a lot of us kind of brush off and miss is you want to start recognizing the changes and the wins, but you want to do this in like small daily tidbits because mm-hmm. we want to show our brain and our body. Like this is working, right? right. I'm seeing the change. This thing is happening. It is actually getting better. It's not going to be an overnight, like all of a sudden I'm so excited and driven and my job is wonderful and the environment's amazing. And I trust my leaders. Like that's not how it's going to be. So you need to recognize the small things that are happening over and over. Here's what happens in a work setting. when We talk about like recognizing our wins or our changes, I laughed so hard. There was a leader I worked for that I really respected her, but she was a very, like, I would go to my one-on-ones and it was like, we go through the agenda, boom, boom, boom. Like there's like not a lot of humanness in that interaction. (laughs) And that's okay. Like I knew that was who they were and that's a beautiful thing. But what I realized is we would have our huge weekly uh, business review meeting with a lot of the top executives and the first five or 10 minutes were spent on talking about what went well that week. What were our wins? What did we learn? What were the insights? And I realized this leader wasn't the only one, but about five of our most senior leaders on that meeting were always five to 10 minutes late. And they were in back-to-back meetings, which I get, and they probably needed to go to the restroom or take a break mm-hmm. or go eat something. I'm all in. They realized the message they were giving
0: was it's not important. These wins right. and
1: changes. Yes. Success. I could be
0: five to 10 minutes late because I yes. know we're going to do that stuff at the beginning yes. before we yes. get to the important stuff. Yeah.
1: You even think of like, when I would get my performance review, they would talk about all the things that are going well and the things you want to work on. And I literally would skim the things I was doing while I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I would go straight <laughs> to the like, what could I improve on? Right. And, right. It, and I like myself. I do think I do a good job. It's not that yeah. that's the issue. That's just where our brain naturally goes. So this is where you purposely want to manage your brain a little bit. And you want to recognize those wins and those changes you're having. On a weekly or on even on a daily basis. And you've got to do it for yourself. It's great if your leader and your manager and your coworkers are pointing them out. But again, you need to be doing this on a regular occasion, right? Mm -hmm. And I like to tie it even to something that I do often, whether it's like every time I go to the bathroom, I tell myself what's something that's going well today or that I'm proud of myself for, or when I I brush my teeth, right? I'm like, Hey, good
0: Good job." job. Yeah. High five in the mirror. Like
1: Mel Robbins talks about.
0: Yeah. 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 And the other thing too,
1: is try to notice different things that are changing or that are going well. And one of the things I've really been working on is as I've been working with you and realizing I'm this like productivity monkey is what are the wins and changes I'm having that aren't necessarily tied to a productivity output?
0: Hmm. So it's
1: things like, I'm a big eye roller or sire. Like I don't hide my emotions. Well, (laughs) so I'm like, Hey, like, good job, you didn't roll your eyes as many times as you normally do today. Or like, I'm proud of you for being a little more focused in that meeting or good job for saying no. Right. Like it's okay to not have the wins be productivity wins and outcome wins. They're just like, hey, good job being the kind of person you want to be in that sliver tiny moment today. Like, I'm so proud of you. But what that'll do is you can give yourself your own hit of dopamine so that you're able to keep going after what you want and you know how to regulate yourself when it gets hard. So when you're clear on where you want to go and you're acknowledging the change and the wins that are happening
0: daily, that will help keep your motivation up and going. I love that. I think of, as you were talking, I was thinking of The Amazing Race and I love The Amazing Race. I did an episode on it a couple of, I think probably a couple of years back. But the goal of The Amazing Race is to be the last team to win the million dollars. But imagine if you just only celebrated then. Mm -hmm. And what I love about the amazing race is all the way along, there are the little celebrations. So they have all the different legs. You could be the first winner, the winner of this leg and whether there are seven legs or something. So they have seven opportunities, but then within there's the challenges. So, you could be the winner of a challenge. Well, we were the first ones to leave, or we, and then within your own team together, there's the wins of we did well with directions today, we didn't fight today. And then there's the personal wins that you have where you may be alone on one of the detours or alone doing one of the challenges where I did my best, I did my all. The Amazing Race is about those individual, those team, the bigger perspective wins all the way along. And it's amazing if you win the million dollars at the end. But if you were to ask, even those contestants that got kicked off on leg one, I can guarantee they would say, they're still so proud of themselves. They're still celebrating, just even getting on the show. So many wins. But imagine if you just did that, only focused on that end result, you would pretty much lose out on the entire experience of what we love about the amazing race and why I want to do the amazing race. You'd miss out if you weren't celebrating all those little moments.
1: Totally. That also makes me think of, I think we struggle with it because things that we're really good at, come natural to us. And we don't realize that we're good at it or it's a strength, Mm -hmm. or we don't realize we used to struggle with it and we worked really hard and now it is natural to us. Right. Right? So I think it's just helpful to point out those wins you're having along the way in those different categories. Again, it's like, what's the Tuesday win, right? Right. We want that big grand prize. I hit the goal win. Awesome. But the wins along the way are what, will sustain you. If you are not allowing yourself to feel good and feel valued and feel motivated and fulfilled until you hit that stage, you're not going to be happy when you get there. (laughs) It's like you just dragged yourself through this hard thing. Right. That's why I'm like, we're these insecure overachievers. We need the end result. We need to hit the goal, to be the top performer, to get the gold star, to like ourselves. I'm like, no, you got to learn to like yourself every single day along the way. And then the end result is a bonus, but if for whatever reason, the company changes and you don't get the promotion or you reorg or or you get laid off, you don't crumble because you like you and you're like, all right, let's go figure this out. I'm going to go find a company that needs what I have. I'm a little bit amazing and
0: a little bit of a hot mess. Who wants it? (laughs) Exactly. Oh, I love it. Those are amazing tips. Those are awesome. Any final, final tips for everyone before we wrap up?
1: I think just the last thing I would
0: say is be nice to yourselves. Like that
1: little chatter in our voice we have all day, every day. They're not very nice. Like you are amazing. It's incredible what people have been through and how we continue to show up every day and people struggle with some really heavy, hard things that we don't know about. Like, just have a little grace and compassion for yourself Mm -hmm. and just acknowledge it's amazing what you have been through and where you are. Like, I don't think we do a good enough job of recognizing that for ourselves. So
0: I find it interesting that sometimes we're looking for the grace and the compassion from other people, and yet we don't give it to ourselves. Yeah. We can't control if other people are going to do it, but we can certainly give ourselves that grace and compassion. So I love that. Yeah, be kind yeah. to yourself. That's a great way yeah. to end. And another we're... topic
1: for another day. But, like, that's right. We... But... but why do we look for that grace and compassion from people we don't really respect? It's the crazy I know.
0: Here. Oh, I know. I know. It's like, why do we listen to the people who are up in the peanut gallery and we're not listening to ourselves or our coaches who are right in the arena with us?
1: Yeah, that's yelling and screaming and pounding. Like, do we really, like, does that feel good when they like us? I'm just saying, just saying.
0: Totally true. That is a different topic. Where can people find you and how can they work with you?
1: Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to have coffee chats with folks of just, hey, let's just sit down and talk about what's going on. What are you struggling with? What are you liking? How are things going? Super informal, nothing else to it, except let's just connect and meet each other. People can get on my calendar at lindsaylymancoaching.com slash chat. I do offer a limited number of coffee chats just because I, I've got to run a business in addition <laughs> to that and they fill up fast, but I'd love to just get to know anyone that has questions or is wondering about things. I think it's so helpful. The more people we connect with and can gain insight from the better. So.
0: perfect and we'll have the link in the show notes if people want to reach out to you thank you so so much for coming on the podcast for being in my world for sharing the wisdom with everybody all the listeners here i loved having you well thanks right back at you thank you for listening to the building resilience podcast If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter at www.leahdavidsonlifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Looking forward to connecting.